Say hello. Hello. Welcome. To Bestness. To our podcast. To our podcast. Today is September 12th, 2021, and Pastor Steve's going to present the sermon, Finish Strong, from Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 24. The big idea is God desires that every Christian remain faithful and finish strong. Can you say thank you for listening? Thank you for listening. Today, what we want to do is to consider the topic of finishing strong. Finishing strong. We have uh, certainly uh, covered a lot of ground uh, in the book of Ephesians. Um, maybe some of that ground was, was new ground that we plowed uh, together. Maybe it was some that was uh, what we had already worked through and uh, you were quite familiar with. Paul has taken us from the heavenly places in chapter 1 to earth's spiritual battleground in chapter 6. And certainly, in between there, there have been a number of key thoughts that we should have been aware of. Just think about the, the following things here. In the book of Ephesians, we learned that Jesus has lavished his love and grace upon us in redemption. And we saw that in chapter 2. He took, he took the alienated and made them cherished members of his own family. He also turned our scarring division into healing unity. Jesus rescued us from the pit of deception and places us on the pinnacle of truth. And finally, Jesus led us out of darkness to walk in the radiant light. You know, really, you think about it with reverence and excitement. Paul has revealed to us that from our most intimate relationships to our work in the world that Jesus Christ reigns over everything in grace and peace. You realize that we started out way back in Ephesians chapter 1, and we talked about the fact that, that we were in Christ. And I don't know how many of you actually took me up on the offer, but as you walk through Ephesians 1, mark every place that says in Christ or in him. And we recognize right out the gate that intimate relationship. And then chapter 2 comes, and all of a sudden we have the uh, idea that we, we're sinners and there's really no hope. And then we get to Ephesians 2 and verse 4. What are those precious words we read there? But God changes everything. And we learn about that intimate relationship. And then we talked about the, the family. Husbands and wives, and, and remember the, uh, I think it's uh, Ephesians 4.21, the banner that hangs over all of that is what? It's 5.21. And it, the banner is submitting to one another 
as unto the Lord. If you understand that, you don't struggle when you get to talking about wives saying, submitting every wife to her husband. Because every husband is already submitted to Christ. Every woman is already, every wife is already submitted to Christ. What a, what a cool thing. And then you, you talk to husbands. And you say, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Those incredible relationships. Relationships with our kids and how we raise them. And how we, how we operate, how we work in our places of employment, work in this whole world. And the truth is that Jesus Christ reigns over all of this with grace and peace and love. In fact, Paul's opening words, he speaks of grace and peace. Do you remember that? Back in chapter 1 and verse 2, he talked about grace and and peace. And in, so in his closing thoughts, Paul in reverse order now is going to bracket all this glorious truth about what has God done for us and how we're to live out all of this in peace and love and grace for our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, our big idea is simply this. God desires that every Christian remain faithful and finish strong. Finish strong. How are we going to finish strong? That's a phrase that I have used with my kids, with kids at camp, as I had the opportunity to, to work with, with a lot of young people as, as, as we were at the camp and, and, and at the church at Clear Lake for a number of years. And I find what's really interesting is, you know, when I don't know how I got started with that, but it's just become something that resonates with me. Finish strong. And so as I would go to my kids cross-country meets. I never stood at the finish line. I'd always try to get about 50 or 100 yards down before the finish line. And as I'd see them coming, I'd start hollering at them, finish strong, don't give up, don't give in. My kids always told me, because I don't run, uh, that, that when you're running, that there's a certain part of the, the course when it just feels like a bear has jumped on your back. And, and you just, you just want to quit. You don't have the strength. So don't quit. Don't quit. Finish strong. Don't give up. I tell kids that work at camp, as you get toward Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I look at them and I say, don't quit. Don't give up. Finish strong. Head up. Finish strong. Don't quit early. Finish strong. I've had the opportunity in, in, in a couple of uh, uh, cases where uh, I've been able to come alongside guys that were working on their, their masters of divinity and their doctorates and things, and just to encourage them. Say, don't quit. Don't give up. I know it's hard. Finish strong. 
And if I can communicate anything with you this morning, I want you to understand that we need to finish strong. Don't give up. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't quit. You've got to just keep pushing forward. Do the next right thing. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Life's hard, amen? I'll try that one more time. Life's hard, amen? It is hard. But we don't give up. We don't quit. We don't give in. You don't throw the towel in. We've got to finish strong for the honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, of God himself. God desires every Christian remain faithful and finish strong. As we join Paul once more, we want to see if we can gain a few more insights to what it takes to become God's people. <coughs> Peaceful, loving, gracious people. And those who are willing to do the hard work to finish strong. As we begin this morning, we want to take a look at this idea of to finish strong, we must stay strong in prayer. We must remain strong in prayer. We saw in our previous chapter that Paul counted on the power of praying to uphold us and, and Christ's people, including him. So take a look, if you will, at chapter 6, not chapter 5, chapter 6, and verses 18 and 19. Verses 18 and 19. Notice what Paul says here again. Now, we're going to back up a little bit and pick up on some of what we talked about last week. But, but look at what he says here. Verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. Now, some commentators here believe that prayer is just another piece of our spiritual armor, which is absolutely possible. I mean, if you think about it, you have two, I'm going to say it this way, two offensive weapons. You have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you have the privilege of prayer. Okay, so if we look at it from that aspect, we have a direct communication line not to the next soldier that ranks above us, but we have a direct line to God himself. We have the ability then to be able to communicate with our Heavenly Father at a moment's notice. That's possible, but certainly as we talk about prayer, it's one of the ways that we stand firm in the protection that God has provided for us. We can even think of prayer as a way that we put our armor on, that we pray for each piece of armor as we put it on, as we walk through that. 
And notice here that Paul didn't set any age limits on who could wield the spiritual weaponry in prayer. Anybody can pray. Little children can intercede for others, taking their tender hearts to God and communicating in such simple means. Sometimes we as adults, man, we get all caught up in in saying the right phraseology or, or saying, you know, flowery things. And, and, you know, sometimes, now this is not you, okay? This is somebody like sitting next to you. But do you ever pray and listen to somebody pray and you're like, wow, they really must be impressing God. I had the opportunity this morning, we were talking in Sunday school class about discipleship. And I said, you know, sometimes discipleship can be as simple as just being around somebody who is godly. And I had the opportunity in, in one of the churches that I was in that we met together for a Wednesday, or not Wednesday night, but a, a uh, men's prayer breakfast. And, and I remember there was a guy, and when he prayed, it was almost like everything else was shut out, and it was just him talking to God. Just two friends talking to each other. And he prayed that way. And I thought, I thought, man, if, if I could learn to pray like that, how cool would that be? And so every time we would get together, you know, I would say, hey, can I, can I be in your group to pray? And I would listen to him pray. And that was, that was just awesome. So it's, communication with God is simple. It's very simple. And we need to recognize that. Little, little kids can do that. So can men and women in their 80s and 90s and even in their hundreds be able to pray and just talk to God. All of us are a vital part of Christ's body. No one is unimportant. No one is not needed. Do you understand that? That's part of what we're talking. We're going to finish strong. We're going to be people of prayer and if that's going to be true, then there's no part of the body of Christ that is not vital, unneeded, unimportant. Prayer is something we can all do to help each other, to hold each other up before the throne of grace, to intercede for others. I, I certainly hope by now you've, you've figured out that, that when you go to your prayer time, it's, it's not just a, a Christmas list of wants. Okay, God, I want this, and I want that, and I want this. But you get to the place where you're more concerned about interceding for somebody else, getting on your face before God and, and crying out to God about the things that are concerning others. Aside from the answers to prayer we receive, the act of praying itself benefits us in so many ways. It keeps us engaged in what's happening around us. It focuses our time and our energy on what God is doing. It helps to stabilize us when we're tempted to worry. I'm just going to guess. Nobody worries in this group, right? Nobody ever yeah, good. See, I didn't think so. So it, it helps to stabilize. A good prayer life helps stabilize us against worry when we're tempted to worry. It transforms us from negative people to positive believers because it turns fear into hope. 
And if there's anything we need right now, it's less fear, more hope. And we find that where? In a relationship with Jesus Christ. In a, in a vital prayer life. With the glory going to God. Paul wanted the Ephesians to involve themselves in God's plan for his life. Specifically, in this passage, he's asking that, that them to pray that when he opened his mouth, God's words would come out. That's the picture here. That, that Paul is saying, will you pray for me so that when I open my mouth, God's voice would come out. God's words would come out. Remarkably, he didn't pray. Did you ever notice what Paul doesn't pray for here? He doesn't pray for release. He doesn't pray that, you know, these stinking soldiers would leave me alone. He doesn't pray that he would just get out of prison, that he'd get out of house arrest. He doesn't pray for God to take vengeance upon those that, that he had been put that had been put around him or or his enemies. He simply wanted his tongue to be the pen of a ready writer because his heart overflowed with good themes. He also wanted the courage to proclaim this overarching theme, and it was the gospel of God in Jesus Christ. The gospel. What was Paul concerned about? The gospel. Hey, if you get a chance, would you, would you pray for me, he writes? Would you pray for me that when I open my mouth, that the gospel would be proclaimed? He wasn't praying about how bad the food was. He wasn't praying about, you know, boy, could he get, could he get released? He wasn't praying about you know, vengeance on his enemies. He's praying about the gospel. There is nothing more important for us to pray about than the gospel. And so when you're doing your prayer time, but somewhere in there, we need to get to the place where we're looking and recognizing that we need to be praying and saying, somewhere in the midst of all of the things we ask for for ourselves and for other people and all of that, that we simply say, God... When I open my mouth, would the gospel come forth? We need to be people of prayer. We need to uh, be able uh, to do the things that God would have us to do. Well, I knew it would happen sooner or later. I've... uh, lost my notes so what do we do plan B let's see here oh I'm just barely getting started awesome all right I'm gonna set this one over here and I'm gonna say number two we are going to look at this morning the courage to speak truth now we've we've just talked about Paul saying When you pray for me, pray that when I open my mouth, the gospel is what is proclaimed. So, number two here is that we have the courage to speak truth. The courage to speak truth. Now, look at verses 19 and 20. And on my behalf, 
the utterance that was given to me in the opening of my mouth to me made known the boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to others. So here's the thing. We must be, in order to finish strong, we must be people of prayer, strong in prayer. We must be, we must have the courage to speak truth. Even Paul got intimidated. Even Paul got discouraged. He had been beaten, stoned. He knew what the Roman powers were able to do to him. But he didn't want to live in that fear. Instead, as he stood before the greatest leaders in the world in that day, he wanted to keep Christ preeminent and to make the message of the gospel known. He was, in effect, promoting the sovereignty of one kingdom to the leaders of another. So he asked the Ephesians to help shore up his courage and represent the true king as he should. That he might pray, that he might boldly speak. Where he says there at the end of verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It is incredibly hard to speak openly and freely of Christ in a world that's hostile to him. We certainly understand that. Paul certainly understood that back in, in his day. That's a hard thing for, for anyone to do. Some of our fellow Christians around the world have had their homes and churches burned to the ground. Some of them have been beaten and assaulted, unjustly jailed, tortured, murdered. Others feel stripped of any kind of voice, <coughs> ridiculed, mocked, and censored. All of us no matter what our situation is, need the courage to stand by Christ and keep telling the truth. That we don't give up. We don't give in. We what? Finish strong. This is what Paul has called us to do. To finish strong. Souls are at stake. If you turn a blind eye to the preaching and proclaiming of the gospel message. How does that benefit anyone? Souls are at stake even if they are the souls of our enemies. How much time do you spend in prayer for those that are holding political office that is different than the one that you might prefer? Or is it easier just to make fun and joke? How are we doing in praying for others? Are we speaking the truth in love, having the courage to speak? If you tend to be a fearful person, make Paul's prayer your own. And remember what Moses told the Israelites as they prepared to take the promised land for God. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. 
Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail nor forsake you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Number three, we must also cultivate a closeness with faithful friends. Cultivating a closeness with faithful friends is how we finish strong. Look at verses 21 and 22, chapter 6 of Ephesians. But that you may also know my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about us, and that he might comfort your hearts. One look at the New Testament shows that Paul was a great letter writer. He is the writer of at least 13 letters of the 27 books of the New Testament. Not only did he diligently convey Christ's gospel to the world uh, in, in widespread regions, but he also kept in touch with those he ministered to over the years. Of all the people that, that, that Paul, was, his reach, his outreach got to, do you realize that it was also people whom he went back to time and time again to see how they were doing? He never gave up on them. He had dear friends, not just once he was mentoring, but just good dear friends that he relied on for both encouragement and help. This man that he mentions here, Tychicus, was one such friend. You see the wording that he uses here? Beloved, faithful, Tychicus would bring Paul's personal touch to the Ephesians. He would tell them how Paul was, was holding up under house arrest, how he was saving the, how the saving word of the gospel was spreading even further and further by Paul's imprisonment. How did he know these things? How did Tychicus know these things? Well, he learned them from Paul himself. Paul never approached his ministry as a one-man show. It didn't, it didn't work that way. He went to great lengths to establish and maintain relationships. Establish and maintain friendships. Look at the, the, the many letters that Paul wrote and, and, and see the friends that he had. If you, if you take the time, and I'm not going to go through all of these, but I'm going to give you the references. Romans chapter 16, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Colossians chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. And what about the whole book of Philemon? Isn't that just a personal plea to Philemon to be an encouragement? Listen, here's what we need to understand. No matter what our age, something inside us starts to wither without friendship. We should understand that. No matter how old you are or how you think you've got this all figured out, we need one another. We need other people in our lives. 
So here's a tip from Paul. Let others into your life that they may know what God is doing in and through you. We ought to throw open the windows of our hearts so that Christ can make himself more deeply known through our friends' love and care. Allowing others to walk into our lives. Not holding people off at arm's length. But building these relationships as faithful friends. Cultivating that closeness. So we've strong in prayer. Say, say, stay strong in prayer. We have to have the courage to speak truth. We have to cultivate closeness with faithful friends. And then number four, we have to let love for Christ abound. We, we must let love for Christ abound above all else. As he so beautifully began his letter, so Paul eloquently closes it in the same way. Look at verses 23 and 24. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. A couple of things we want to look at here. I want to see three keys that Paul communicates here. Number one, he communicates peace and love to God's family. Notice what he says here. Peace, Paul says, for Christ himself is our peace who broke down the middle wall, uh, the barrier, the dividing wall, so that he himself might make two into one man, thus establishing peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. With Christ having established peace with God, with God, and between people, those called by his name are to live out that peace toward one another. And what he says in Ephesians 4.3 is being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This peace was a way of life. It was first on Paul's mind. And, and close behind it was this love for he knew it was the best means of achieving peace, peace and love together to God's family. How do we communicate that from Paul through us showing peace and love to one another? Number two, add faith to your love, or add love to your faith, excuse me, add love to your faith. Having love in addition to your faith, Paul tells them. Knowing, listen, knowing that all the doctrinal, excuse me, all the doctrinal precision in the world meant nothing without a love for Christ or a love for each other bringing that to life. What does that remind you of? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, and I have not love. I'm just a sounding gong or a tinkling brass, right? That's what Paul says here. How important this is, that, that if you don't have love, you can know all the, all the doctrine, you can have it all down pat, but if there's no love in the midst of that, it's worthless. Listen to these verses and references as I walk through them. In love... He, Christ, predestined us to become, or he, God, predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1, 4. But God, because of the great love wherewith he loved us, made us alive together in Christ, Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. That you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. In the midst of all of that, the church was supposed to be this community that shows the world what it's, what it's supposed to be. And the way we do this is through love. You see that again in John 13. Christ is the vine of love, and we are the branches growing out of that love. We must bear the fruit that God desires for us to bear. John 15. Paul told us in Ephesians, again in Ephesians, that we are to bear one another in love. Bear with one another in love. Verse uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Speak the truth to one another in love. Chapter 4, verse 15. Building up one another and consequently the whole body of Christ. Chapter 4 and verse 16. Walk in love just as Christ loved each of us. Chapter 5 and verse 2. Love your spouses with Christ's self-giving love. Chapter 5, verses 25, 28, 33. Love Christ with a deathless love. We find that here in verse 24. Love incorruptible. That's what we see here. Paul used the word love 15 times in 14 verses in this letter. Man, that's a church that's, that's going to go places. It's a church that's going to do things. Amen? I mean, look, look at the doctrinal litany that he has laid out for this church to know and to understand. And sadly, the Ephesians seem to pass everything down to the next generation, but that love. About 35 years later, Christ himself, through the apostle John, had this to say about the church at Ephesus. I know your deeds, your toil and perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who have called themselves apostles and are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake 
and have not grown weary. But this I have against you. You have lost your first love. As we go forward and we think about this book of Ephesians with this letter of Paul in our mind, let us not make the same mistake the Ephesians made. Let us love as Christ called us to love. One more. Grace rests on all who love Jesus. Grace is God's gift to you. You remember that when, when we go back to Ephesians 2.8, Paul urges us to remember his grace given freely, lavished out of the storehouse of God's immense riches brings us redemption and forgiveness and new life and salvation and spiritual gifts. Why would God do all of this for us? It goes all the way back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 where it says, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness to us in Jesus Christ. God delights to lavish his kindness on us, but notice this grace comes only through Jesus Christ, only to those who trust him as their savior and welcome him into their lives forever. In a life lived in God's grace, we don't boast about ourselves. We don't make much about ourselves, but what we do is we boast in the incredible, magnificent, surpassing love of God the Father in His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Today, as we've walked through this passage, and we're talking about staying strong, finishing strong, we need to have seen that we must be strong in prayer that we must have the courage to speak boldly, to speak truth. We must cultivate close relationships and faithful friends. And we must allow the love of Christ to abound in our lives. So here's the, the question this morning before the house. Are you ready, are we ready to let God's living word in Ephesians change us forever? Would you say that has already happened? That as you have walked through systematically the book of Ephesians, that it has radically changed your life, changed your heart? If not, go back, reread it. And allow God to have the work in you. You can be assured that the Spirit will do everything in His power to help us to finish strong. Don't give up. Don't give in. Finish strong is what we're called to do. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith.
In the future there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. As we contemplate finishing strong, don't give up, don't give in, continue to push forward and finish strong in the Lord. May the Lord's peace and love and grace be with us always. And all God's people said, Father, thank you for the incredible privilege to have walked through the book of Ephesians. Father, this morning, I just simply ask that we're called to finish strong. We're called not to give up, not to give in, not to quit. That we're going to finish strong. We want to finish strong. We don't want to be disqualified. And so we pray this morning, Father, we beg you this morning, Father, that you would help us to make that a reality in our lives. Father, that we would be people of prayer, that we would speak boldly, that we would cultivate friendships, and that, God, we would be faithful friends. And that, Father, your love would reign in our hearts. Father, I pray that you would continue to do the work that you've started in us. Continue to use your word. Continue to cut deeply into our hearts and our lives. Even to the separation of soul and spirit that, Father, you might control every part of our being. Father, we thank you for the book of Ephesians. We thank you for the great truths that we have learned. And, Father, this morning we just simply ask that you would be glorified in our lives above all else. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.